I would give it 80% that they come back six or 12 months later and they don't want to admit they were wrong, but they were wrong and, and they're looking for help. And a lot of it lies in the fact that as much as they may talk about an opportunity for marketing and data teams to collaborate, they don't know how to make that actually happen. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm thrilled today to have our guest, Eric Zion, on the podcast. Eric comes as CEO um, at Zion and Zion. Eric, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jason, for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Great. You know, well, Eric and I, uh, for our listeners today, you know, we were catching up the other day, and you know, Zion and Zion, you know, is an agency that actually focuses on uh, you know CDPs specifically. And you know, Eric will you know talk about this extensively uh, in the minutes to come. You know, as I was talking more and more with Eric the other day, it became incredibly obvious to me that you look, you know, from Simon Data's perspective, when we think about CDP, it's a piece of technology, it's a platform. You know, it's sort of the center of the world. Um, you know, when in fact, you know, when you look at CDP from an organizational you know, perspective, it's much more than a piece of technology. You know, it's a set of competencies, it's a set of processes, it's a set of capabilities, it's a set of use cases. You know, it's a new way of working cross-functionally across engineering, across data, across marketing, across customer-facing teams. Um, you know, in some sense, you know, I don't, don't want to make this into you know, you know something too transformational, but you know, it, it is uh, a transformation of the business, and, and it is a new way of orienting. Uh, you know, to your customer through the lens of data. Yeah, so that really brings us today to our our big question, uh, and that's uh, you know what actually you know is CDP for modern enterprises today, uh, and with this, what are some of the key dimensions required to build uh, an effective uh, CDP strategy? You know, so Eric, before we dive in, uh, you know, into sort of specific points here, any anything you know to sort of add at a high level on that? Yeah, so I think um, you know you always hear people say that it's not just technology. And the, the common phrase you hear is, well, it's people, processes, and technology. But what generally happens is no one ever goes into more depth than that, right? Well, what does that mean for people? What does that mean for processes? Like, how do you break that down further in order to, to get there? And I think that's a really important thing that Every executive in the world would say, well, of course, that's really, really important. And 95% of the, the people out there have very little idea on how to take it any further than that. Um, yep, 100%. So uh, yeah, 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 in line with you know, sort of where we're focusing today, I'm not going to ask you about your know, features of CDP at all. Yeah, yeah, we're actually going to start with some of the use cases uh, and how does this map to um, you know, some, some of the required capabilities and you know, what, what does that look like at a high level? Yeah, so... We view CDP, and I think you, you, you've said this, it is a core technology, not just in the sense that it can sit in the middle of the MarTech ecosystem, but it provides an organization a way to realign itself and to begin to think instead of in campaigns, but instead in journeys in cross-functional ways, in collaborative ways, et cetera, thinking about the use cases that work for those customer journeys. And that's a very, very different way of thinking for most organizations. Organizations tend to be highly siloed. 
And often, the bigger they are and the more successful they are, the more siloed they become because it's tough to manage a very large organization without creating silos. So there's this inherent conflict. You get bigger, you want to be more innovative, but you become more siloed. And then you need to try and break down those silos in order to be more innovative. So unlike something like uh, just a data warehouse, where that doesn't transform all of the uh, functions around the data warehouse, a CDP does because the CDP has aspects of data warehousing, analytics, uh, marketing, um, journey-oriented campaign development, et cetera. So it enables a completely different way of operating for a business. I would, I would give the following analogy. So it's like imagining that we had a society where people lived scattered all over the place in tents and there was no town or anything like that. They're just living all over the place on the land, you know, let's say agricultural environment, raising their own food, et cetera, et cetera. And now you come along and you build a town square and they can all interact. Well, what happens? People develop trades, they come from different kinds of backgrounds, they bring their skills, <clears throat> et cetera. But operating in that way requires a very different way of thinking, right? You go from your siloed, I do it all for myself, <clears throat> into an environment where you need to understand what all these other people are offering and how you're going to work together in order to live your lives. I think that's a direct analogy for organizing an organization around a CDP that to realize full value, honestly, to realize much value out of a CDP requires a high degree of breaking down those silos and improving organizational collab collaboration and cross-functionality. 100%. And just building on that, you know, we've talked about you know, some of these concepts you know, before. Uh, you know, CDP serves as a, as, as a town square, as a conduit to enable you know, engineering data and marketing work together. You know, yet at the same time, if the objectives of those functions don't align, you know, if your KPI, you know, if your KPIs, your OKRs, your goals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, if data is looking to the left and marketing is looking to the right, you know, you can come to the town square uh, and you'll have a great conversation around uh, the hamburgers at the restaurant, you know, or maybe the beers at the pub, uh, but you won't actually be talking about common goals because you won't have common goals. You know, so part of it all working together, you know, is, is thinking holistically about, you know, about, about alignment there. And you know, when it works, what's interesting is with the town square analogy, or you know, in the workplace, at least in a different era, a well-designed building that encourages you know, happenstance uh, you know, meetings you know, between people on different teams. You know, people don't you know, talk about the building as the catalyst you know, to having a well-functioning company. You know, it's the culture, it's, it's the process, it's the you know, organizational alignment. And the building just you know, is another thing that can help you know, get the atoms to collide in, in a way that you know, naturally has them collide. But you know, you know, getting back to the, ta the town square analogy into a CDP, it all needs to work together. Uh, and in isolation, it's just not going to get the job done. And, and to the extent that it doesn't, you generally wind up with these what we call parity use cases, where all you get out of the CDP is pretty much implementing what you had pre-CDP, like let's say cart abandonment, and you don't get the innovation potential of the CDP realized. Because again, it is an opportunity to coordinate, 
you know, customer journeys and platforms and things like that. But that requires the functions that interact with all of those things to really think in new non-siloed ways. Great. So maybe maybe sort of getting back to capabilities, you know, I think the town square uh, analogy, you know, implies collaboration, you know, implies you know, efficiency and speed of execution with that sort of new fabric that brings the organization together. Uh, you can do more faster because you have, you know, that meeting space. You know, now we're sort of, you know, you sort of implied, you know, a next set of capabilities and benefits, you know, around, you know, new ways of personalizing the customer experience outside of, you know, we'll call it the V1.0, uh, you know, MarTech experiences that you may have set up, you know, circa 2010, circa 2015. Yes, you know, so maybe you can talk, you know, talk to that for a few minutes and and what sort of an effective uh, CDP, CDP deployment might look like uh, from an omni-channel perspective and, and an incremental use case perspective. Right. So that that that's a great question. So as with most decisions to spend money in an organization, and, and MarTech is no exception to this, but often, you know, suffers from uh, people not thinking about this, is the strategy really needs to come first. I remember way back in the early days of CRM, and I'm probably giving my age away, that, you know, there were studies that came out, 75, 80% of those projects failed. And the reason was people adopted the technology and they said, well, when we have the platform, that'll solve the problem. And what they realized was they didn't have their sales processes sorted out. So the CRM system didn't really have a, it wasn't strategically enabling a well thought out process. And, And we see the same thing can happen with CDPs. So the way we tend to approach this is, First, we take like a profitability tree perspective, like what are the revenue drivers and cost-saving drivers of the organization that ultimately add up, ladder up to profit? And then how do you further subdivide those things until you get down to the level where you're now talking about CDP use cases? So you could imagine some more advanced use cases maybe being in a product that you know is IoT that reports its data into a data warehouse and then rules are created in order to keep the product user right informed of how that product is operating and maybe that drives recurring revenue and proactive maintenance and things like that and then you've got the really simple use cases like hey let's just do uh, abandoned cart so it is important to think strategically of what drives revenue and cost savings in your organization, and then to follow that line of thinking down to the use case level. And you get to things that are far more interesting than simple, let's just decrease our cost of acquisition, or let's just suppress an audience that shouldn't be getting advertising anymore. Those those are things that are achievable in in other ways as well. So when we look at use cases, we really consider nine things. One, defining through that profitability tree analysis, the strategic objective. And then once we've done that, and I'll do this in quick turn, what are the attributes of the users that are going to be part of that audience? What context needs to surround the use case, like let's say uh, it's very hot outside or it's uh, allergy season. Three, what are the touch points that the use case will encompass? And that could be human, physical, digital, et cetera. Four, what stages 
stage or stages of the customer journey with a use case and compass. It's not always pre, during, or post. Sometimes it's a combo, right? You could have an abandoned cart use case that's pre-purchase, but it's really post-purchase because a lot of the people that abandon the cart are existing customers. So you wouldn't treat them the same as the ones that were never customers before. Then you get into where we look at the experience. So a human, physical, digital, what aspects of the experience are, are to be encompassed in the use case and what should happen in each of those cases. Then we get into measures and analytics. This is where proactive planning comes in. So you're not asking your data team three months after you executed a use case where the marketing team isn't saying, oh, well, we need to understand how successful that was. Can you pull the following things? And then the analytics team says, well, somebody showed me, told me three months ago, you were going to deploy that use case. I would have been measuring the other, these other following things. And therefore, I would have the answer to your questions. So we see that time and time again, that the analytics and data teams come up empty handed. And then the executives look back and say to the marketing team, so you spent three months doing this and now you can't tell me whether it was successful or not. So this is what I mean by when you really put a fine point on the people in process issues. And then the seventh or the eighth item of the nine is testing. We've seen many cases a client deploys a use case. After the fact, they realize they should have had a formal control group because just varying it by geographic region you know, uh, 25 US states will get this experience and 25 will get that experience. Well, then they wind up with mixed data. 10 of the states perform well in experience A, 13 of the states perform well in experience B. If they had a control group, they would get their solid answers there. And then thinking about segmentation as well, both pre-hoc, meaning do I want to, for example, to deploy to high spenders versus low spenders, different use cases? Or will I deploy the same thing to everyone, but post hoc, I'm going to want to look at how it performed for high spenders versus low spenders differently in order to gain insight. So that kind of structure, even a light version of that structure is missing from 90% of the organizations that we engage with. And that's a lot of what we're bringing to the table is how to think and restructure your thinking in this new world of, of CDP enablement. Yep. No, I, and, and, and there's one of, of you know, among the nine, there was sort of one that I think ties many of the others together, you know, and that ultimately is, you know, you know really you know, st- something you said around, you know, CEOs really looking at CDPs as a way of, of having marketing and data teams work together. You know, and this threads through, uh, you know, the data, the powers of CDP, this threads through the experimentation capabilities, this threads through uh, abilities to do somewhat deeper level of, of insights and analytics on, on performance, et cetera. And then, of course, it threads into, you know, the data and IT's ability to properly support the marketing and the business-facing requirements of measurement, you know, and, you know, ultimately, you know, garbage in, garbage out, uh, you know, if the CDP isn't collecting the right data, um, if it's not sitting on top of uh, you know, data that's properly aggregated and measured, then you know, you're you know, you're sort of at a, at a tough place to begin with. You know, so maybe maybe sort of wedge in a little bit, you know, around around you know those two sides of the coin specifically. And for folks listening to the, to the podcast, you know, today, 
on the marketing side of the house. Uh, and they're saying, hey, my data team is is mature or it's immature or have capabilities X or Y or Z. You know, what are some questions that they should be asking uh, you know, you know, around support for data as they start to think about their CDP strategy? Yeah. So what I will say is it is extremely common that an organization goes into a CDP deployment stating, I pretty much have everything I need except a little bit of hands-on platform implementation help. It is also, I would give it 80% that they come back six or 12 months later and they, well, they don't want to admit they were wrong, but they were wrong and, and they're looking for help. And a lot of it lies in the fact that as much as they may talk about an opportunity for marketing and data teams to collaborate, they don't know how to make that actually happen because their data teams are not marketers. And while their marketers may increasingly be digitally savvy and numbers savvy, there is a very big difference between looking at campaign performance data and doing the kind of analytics and segmentation work that can be done when you're in a CDP environment, to analyzing a journey that progresses over time, to doing the kind of you know time series analysis and data science work and predictive modeling that can come with all the new inputs you're getting because you're living in a CDP world. So even there, their data teams often have never thought about that kind of an analysis. And the marketing teams typically aren't data science and analytics savvy enough in order to tell those analytics teams, data teams, what to do. So you wind up with this gap of they only knew what they knew going in, which was we, the marketer, have typically been campaign-oriented, And we, the data team, have often been very driven by the request of the moment and are so swamped with trying to keep up with the metrics that management is asking for, we've never had a chance to broaden our learning and embrace this world. So things don't wind up moving forward. So what, what's your advice? I mean, obviously, um, you know, folks like yourself, you know, add value and, and help people think through this process. But if you were to maybe offer, you know, one soul searching question, you know, for listeners of the episode to ask yeah. themselves right now, yeah, I like uh, that. You know, who are trying to figure this out, like, what would that be? You know, that hard question that maybe people aren't really asking the elephant in the room, yep. uh, you know, across, you know, what, what, what would that be? That, that, okay. So let me start with an analogy. I, I think I have the answer to your question. So companies get involved in mergers and acquisitions all the time. And they frequently fail to achieve the objectives. They want to put an org, orgs together. They want one and one to equal three. And sure, they get some operational cost savings by mer- merging the organizations, but they often fail to realize one and one equaling much more than maybe 2.1, let alone getting to three. So the reason is, I find, is that when organizations merge, they are so focused 
on the operational costs, the operational savings that come with the merger, that the last thing they want to do is cut down on productivity and billable time, things that will generate immediate revenue. So they put even more pressure on the organization to realize the value of the merger, which means they don't let these people carve out time to learn to work better together and to leverage the fact that one and one are in the room together now and could equal three if they gave them some time to breathe. The same thing happens with a CDP deployment. So went back to the CRM analogy. The platform will do it for me. No, the marketer, the data person, whoever, if you do not carve out significant amounts of time for those people to change the way they work, as opposed to just adding it to their plate that is already overly full, you cannot transform the organization. It can't be just a, well, that's a plus one on my plate. There's only so many hours in a day. And this takes real thinking about how to behave differently and leverage the capabilities you have at your disposal. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think um, yeah, it's it's it, it, it's a good analogy. It's sort of a, a big analogy at that as well. You know, and, and, I, and I think the hardest thing about it is, you know, like any transformation, you're trying to get to the other side. It's a lot different to read a spec sheet uh, than to actually execute against the spec sheet and ask, where is it unlocked? You know, what are the, you know, you know, what, what are the end to end use cases and capabilities? So, so, so with this, Eric, uh, last last question for you. You know, we just spent the last twenty minutes or so talking about uh, you know the foundations of a CDP strategy and how you know certainly technology is a big part of it, but there's a lot more beyond that as well. Uh, if you were to have you know this conversation again with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Well, sure. I think if I could pass myself back this knowledge that I and our agency have accumulated today, pass it back to us uh, three, four years ago, that would be amazing. You know, I would liken it to, you look at like a major uh, consulting firm, like a McKinsey, who have spent decades developing intellectual property and frameworks and things like that. Um, you know, uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to accumulate that wisdom. So sure, I would love to take what we know today back to our team from five years ago, four or five years ago, because it, it has come at a price in terms of effort, watching ourselves occasionally stumble, watching clients stumble a lot, but spending the years to curate that information, translate it into highly actionable frameworks that can keep people on track. That is the knowledge I would want to pass back in time. I'd want to shrink wrap that up and say, guess what? This is going to take you about 23,000 hours over the next few years, but here it is. It's all been thought out and organized for you. Yeah, in some sense, that's sort of the treat. This the secret of, of any successful transformation is figuring out you know those sort of you know, pivot points that really make it all possible. That in hindsight feel pretty obvious, but going into it, you know, both don't feel obvious and don't feel easy. Yep, that's a, a great response. So, us and sharing our wisdom with us, and when I reflect on what we're talking about here, it's a concept that we've covered in the past in the show. You know, technology can play a critical process in workflow. 
you know, and workflow can transform processes. It can, can trans- transform certainly business efficiency, uh, and it can also transform culture. You know, but at the same time, technology on its own, you know, can't do any of these things. You know, the conversation we had today was, yes, rooted around you know, a technology platform called the CDP, but it was really one of uh, you know, omni-channel personalization strategies, uh, really one of thinking about uh, you know, the new, a new world of first-party data you know, and what uh, people processes systems are required to effectively unlock that you know, to stay competitive in a, in a hyper-competitive marketplace. You know, and you know, with the level of competition that 10 years ago, you know, if you get batch and blasted, hey, it's you know, it's it's Wednesday, June 7th. Uh, you know, we're doing a 10% off sale, everyone. Come on and buy your widgets. That would work at one point yep. in the past. That does not work today. The game has changed, you know, the, the, the competition has changed, the playing field has become you know much more competitive. You know, so with this, uh, you know, Eric, for anyone uh, who might want to learn more about you know what Zion and Zion does, maybe see if you can help them out. Uh, or get in contact with you with a team, how can they do so? Certainly email me, first name dot last name. So A-R-I-C dot Z-I-O-N at Zion and Zion dot com. And we occasionally get asked, is the and spelled out in the email? So any tech savvy person will know, yes, the and is spelled out in the email, Z-I-O-N-A-N-D-Z-I-O-N dot com. Obviously, you can go to our website as well. We love to have great conversations. So anyone uh, that may have a need or just wants to bring up an interesting, challenging question is encouraged to reach out to us. You never know. We may uh, develop a thought leadership piece around that. We're, we're a very intellectually oriented firm that is always looking to understand issues at a deeper level. That is great. Uh, and thank you to everyone listening to uh, this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata. You've been listening to The Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.